0: I want to. My intention for tonight is to um, to send you guys on a mission. Um, so, I just want to ask a, a quick question. Um, why? Does it seem so hard for churches to gather under the banner of Jesus? So let's just let's just take like a few minutes and answer that question in your circle. Why? Why does it take? Why does it? Uh, why is it so difficult? Why does it seem so hard? for uh, churches to come together under the banner of Jesus, all right? Doctrinally, Doctrinally, um, doing stuff together, uh, however you want to, I mean, all I know is when I look at at the church, I see a lot of like little silos, so how how do we, like, why is that the case? Alright, so let's take like just five minutes or so and, and just come up with a couple different answers and then we'll we'll all share together. Alright? So share in your groups. What'd you guys think? Why is it why is it hard for the church to come under the Jesus banner? Religion? Religion, <laughs> Religion gets in the way. That's a good one. That's worth writing down. <laughs> half your group went to that group and half your group went over there. One person started a new group over there. (laughs) Church plants. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Ooh, humanity. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, control, ego. Pride, salary. salary, need 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 a different pay scale, start my own thing, right? Like yeah, preferences, that's definitely part of it. Everybody uh, worships a different way or, you know, has certain things that they prefer as far as services go. We have, like, a different idea of what sin is. And we mm-hmm. sin. So, doctrine. We give sin Yeah. Cool. Yes. Any other ones? Good. Awesome. Uh, so, um, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to Galatians. Um, yes. <laughs> Only. <laughs> Only. Um, so, basically, you you'll notice... I'm, I'm probably not going to get through everything that I want to talk about, um, tonight, which is not a big deal, but basically like you'll notice if, if you look in the new Testament in acts, Holy spirit falls and, um, uh, sets ablaze to the movement of Christ. Right. And, um, they do all of the things that, uh, that Jesus had predicted. They were the witnesses to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and they were scattered by persecution, all these things. And um, basically, after Paul, um, all of the letters that are written are basically his attempt to continue to bring the family together right like basically uh, kind of from from my uh the way i unpack in acts chapter 2 verse 42 through 47 is kind of like the quintessential section of scripture that describes what the body of christ looked like in its uh i guess purest form Um, that, that's the whole fellowship of believers. They were together, had everything in common, shared everything, all that kind of fun stuff. And, um, and that's, that's not a little number, by the way, that's like thousands of people. We're not talking 15 people in a small group sharing everything, hanging out. We're talking thousands of people in a movement. So, I mean, this was, this was a big deal. Uh, but basically after the dispersion, um, where the gospel was taken, to all these different places, um, uh, people started forming churches in an area. Like say, for instance, in Galatia, which is what we're talking about tonight, there would be multiple bodies, and they and and here's here's the difference, okay? Because this this is this blows my mind. Um, uh, in, in in Galatia, for instance, there there might be five, ten, thirty. Churches, bodies, and they all considered themselves to be part of the body of Christ. They all considered themselves the church of Christ. And so when Paul would write a letter, the intention of those letters was to be circulated among the groups, among the believers, and if Shannon uh, had... Uh, a, a church, a group, or whatever that that met, and I had one, and Josh had one and um Lisa goes to josh 's and then she comes to mine, and then she goes to shannon 's like that that was not a big deal it was it was the body of christ um so where we're gonna jump in and into the story i, I want to, I just want to give you a, a couple quick teaching principles and then we're gonna jump into the story um the the idea that I want to cover tonight is this um family protects and they encourage freedom they protect freedom and they encourage freedom that's that's kind of the the overarching principle get this even among family members you see like like this is really easy for us to talk about when we're thinking about people that don't believe in Jesus. For me to go to an unbeliever and say, hey, man, do you want to ha- be free? Do you want to you be free? I can-, I can tell you how to be free. And, and we-, we unpack Jesus, right? And we love them, and we give them grace, and, and we hug them, and we tell them there's a loving God. And-, 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 and our hope and our desire is that they meet Jesus. And so we preach freedom, right? We communicate freedom. But then, let's talk about it within our own body, within our local churches, right? Um, The such and such church that has a different doctrine than we do. The such and such church that has a different preference than we do. So on and so forth. Um, This is what's going on in Galatia. Tonight, I want to talk about uniting people within the family, that's the mission. Because how can we preach freedom to people outside our circle if we can't have freedom within our own circle? So, that's kind of where where we're going. So, just to to kind of give you a quick little back story, um in Galatia, there uh this is this is a point in history where um the Jews that were Christians, and also everyone else. So the Gentiles, which would have been what they call it in, I guess, the Greek context, but uh, the Gentiles, everybody else that was not Jewish, um, Paul had been sent to to be the the missionary to all of the, the Gentile races, cultures. And so his mission is to bring the body of Christ together because he had the revelation that, uh, well, not, not just him, the, the early church had the revelation that the Gentiles, the message of Jesus was for the Gentiles too. Okay, so, so all these little churches start being formed and the Jewish Christians start coming to the Gentile Christians and they say, hey, if you really want to be a part of the church then you need to follow the Old Testament covenant stuff. You need to be circumcised if you're a male. You need to wear certain things. You need to act certain ways. You need to do certain things. And if you do this, then you're officially in the club, right? Um, which, in my opinion, sounds interestingly familiar to denominationalism right? Hey, we're all under the banner of Jesus, right? But if you want to be Baptist, if you want to be Methodist, if you want to be whatever, then you have to do XYZ to get that card, to get that membership. Okay? Now, I am affiliated and connected to a denomination. So I'm like don't don't hear me Say like, let's, this is a bash fest on all the denominations, because I just said that we're protecting freedom and we're we're fighting for freedom within the family. Okay, so so this isn't bash fest. Um, but I want to I want to unpack, um, just some thoughts in this. Okay, so Paul writes to the church in Galatia, um, and he says, in let's look at uh, chapter three. Chapter 3, uh, verse 2, he says this. Let me, let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So, The question that Paul's asking is is this. Hey, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, where does your Holy Spirit empowering come from? So where does it come from? From what? Your belief, which turns into your faith. Your belief system, which turns into faith, which you'll see if you keep on reading By the way, I'm not going to have time to unpack all of Galatians like 3 and 4 and 5, but read around in there. There's some really good stuff. It says that your empowering comes from your hearing faith. Your hearing faith, right? We talked about last week in Romans 10, 17. It says that... Uh, that you, you hear the words that come out of the mouth of the Father, right? And remember, that was the Rama word that God is actively speaking to us. So, so he's trying to encourage his readers that the faith that we are talking about comes from hearing alone. Liter like in the the Greek word hearing literally means hearing. <laughs> like you heard it. Paul came to Galatia, publicly talked about Jesus, and people received it through belief. And then he jumps to this passage or this, this inference in verse six. He says, Just as Abraham, look at this, believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Turn with me to Genesis 15. I, I want to I unpack this, this uh, just this one, this one story very quickly and connect the dots here. Somebody read Genesis 15 verse 6 out loud. Okay, did you hear that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness where did you read that last Galatians it's the exact same verse right okay so so let me let me unpack the story for you in Genesis um, God calls Abraham out to uh, to a land that he didn't know where he was going and he just goes all right? And then he says, God says, Hey, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. This is all in Genesis 15 if you want to do some extracurricular reading. right? He says, I'm going I'm to bless you and, and I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a, a, a nation. He gives him a promise. Right? And then... It says, so watch this. Get that out of the way for a minute. So we have a promise that comes from who? God. And then it says, Abraham did what? He believed. And then what did that equal? Righteousness. His belief was credited to him as righteousness. What is righteousness? What right standing? You're you're think about it this way. Um, you're you're in line with God. You're in right standing with Him. You're you're in perfect alignment with the Father. Okay, so where did Abraham's righteousness come from? His belief system. Where did his belief system come from? God's promises. God's promises plus Abraham's belief system. God's promises pushes Abraham into a belief system that equals his righteousness. Okay. Out of that, if you read on in the Genesis 15 account, Abraham falls asleep. Uh, actually, before he falls asleep, uh, he takes some animals. Abraham says to God, "How how do I know that this is going to take place?" And he he takes some animals and cuts them in half, and uh, and and then God Abraham falls asleep, and God Himself walks through the split in half animals. And in the Old Testament, that was a symbol of making a covenant. And a covenant, basically what that meant is, if I break this covenant, may I be like that animal torn in half. And so God himself made an unending covenant with Abraham. It was a promise that Abraham believed, and therefore it was righteous. He was in right standing with God because of his belief. Was he in right standing with God because of his actions? No. His belief system. All he did... So, so like, what, is it, what does it mean to believe God? What do you got to do? Believe, right? I mean like like is it is it any harder than that? You believe his word. And when you believe his word, Abraham received righteousness before Jesus showed up on the scene. This is a a uh a foreshadowing <laughs> of what's to come for all of us. Right? You can fast forward um, I'm not even going to go there, but you can fast forward through the Genesis account and see where the people uh, adhere to a system of rules and regulations, and they say, all right, we're going to do that. It actually says in Genesis, I can't remember the, the reference, um, but they the people of Israel says, we will do all this. Ten Commandments, all the laws, all the rules, everything, God, you're saying, we're going to be obedient to it. We're going to do this, God. So, what paul is trying to make reference to is what do you want to what do you want to be a part of what system do you want to connect to the belief system that says believe there's a promise from the father you believe it and that's your righteousness which fast forward to the new covenant which is now jesus or do you want to adhere to the other system the works did you receive the spirit which is the the representation of God himself in you, did you receive that because you heard it and believed it and that became faith for you? Or did you receive the spirit because you worked yourself, you grinned and bared it, you white knuckled this thing into the kingdom, right? This is what he's saying to the church in Galatia. So, one of the questions tonight is, is do, do, we, do we actually believe this? Like, do we believe God's Word, which now is Jesus come to set us free, we believe that which becomes our faith system, and we get righteousness in place, right? Right? In Galatians 3, look at uh go back to Galatians 3 with me real quick and look at um 14. Like I said, I wish I could like unpack all this, but we got the Carolina game, guys. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is is moving over to Carolina, all right? Woo! Priorities. There it is, yes. <laughs> in uh in verse 14, he says in Christ Jesus, the blessing of who? Abraham. Of Abraham. Might come to the Gentiles. Another word that they use in uh, the Greek is nations. That, that means everything, everybody, all the peoples, right? All the peoples. Um, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The promised spirit through faith. Um that makes me think of a story. Oh, by the way, what, what is um what was the blessing of Abraham? What he said, I'm gonna make you a great nation. Yeah, children as numerous as the stars. What else? Yeah, say, so, Yeah, Isaac, promised son, which fast forward into this story is Jesus. The offspring is Jesus. Nation of Israel, right? So you're going to become a part of that. When we say yes to Jesus, we become a part of of his chosen people were adopted into the family, his chosen people, right? One of the one of the blessings was this. God said, "Hey Abraham, go." And I'll show you what to do next. And you know what Abraham did? He went and saw what God said to do next. In Genesis 12, 2 through 3, God calls Abraham goes. He says, I'm gonna bless you. Like, you see, we we overcomplexify. If that's a real word, I don't think it is. <laughs> we overcomplexify this thing. We overcomplexify this thing. We can call it religion, we can call it humanity, we can call it brokenness, we can call it whatever we want to call it. Um, One of the reasons why I think it's so hard for all of us as the body of Christ to get together is because it is too stinking hard. Like we make it hard to be a follower of Jesus. And what I can't figure out is in Jesus' circle... The least and the broken and the screwed up were the ones that that came to him easiest. It was easier for a prostitute to become a follower of Jesus than it was for a Pharisee. And so like this this is this is the where where I'm trying to go tonight is I'm struggling because I just think we're making it too hard. Like we're making it too hard. Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins. I receive that, and then I get the Holy Spirit as a promise. Can I give you an example of working too hard? Because I've done this for a while, right? Um, Okay, so let's say me and Gary are sitting down having a coffee, and and Gary goes, uh, he starts telling me about some problem that he's got. And I immediately start going, okay, God, I need a word for him. Like, you, I need something, Lord. I need you to, figure, like, give me some kind of cool, catchy phrase that's working too hard. That's working too hard. I think it's, it's more simple than that. when when i sit in conversation with my wife who we're in a covenantal relationship together right and she speaks to me she speaks plainly to me and 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 we hear each other and and then we we act and react and so on and so forth out of the conversation and and i think we're trying too hard in this thing that we're calling a relationship to to like Make something work. And you know what that is? That's a false righteousness. Guess what? I don't have to come across as intelligent to any of you. And you don't have to either. You don't have to craft clever statements or come up with really cool phrases that make people uh, persuaded to be a follower of Jesus is Jesus not powerful enough is holy spirit's manifestation is is if it is his miraculous works not enough so let's stop complexifying this thing and let's kind of like like i had this picture the other day which is honestly why this talk is happening um of when when uh every now and again it's good if you own a home right to go look around your house and inspect your home just to kind of see what's going on. Right. And, and so I was literally in my basement looking around in, in my house and, and the Lord was like, do you, do you ever look at the foundation? <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, from what I can see of it, no. And he was like, just do it. And so I just started looking around. Like, I mean, i you know, I'm not going to dig down low and like look at the footings or anything, but I looked I looked in my basement at what I could see, and he was like, Don't forget. Like, like this this gospel message is super simple. Go back to the foundation and don't don't forget that. All right? Holy Spirit, move of power, miraculous things, these are all good. I'm not saying anything bad about them, but don't overcomplexify the message. This message is very simple you believe his promises. And his promise today is Jesus has come to set you free. And when you believe that, that's your righteousness. There's nothing more to it. In um in John there's a there's the story in John chapter 6 where Jesus has this discussion about being the bread of life, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Um and and After he had done all these miracles, he had fed 5,000 and um, walked on water and all these different things, um, he says, I'm the bread of life. And (laughs) the people respond to him, what should we do to be doing the works of God? What do we do to be doing the works of God? And do you know what his answer was? In John 6, 29, he says this, listen, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. What should we do to be doing the works of God? You believe. This is the work of God. In other words, he's saying God has done all the work. God has done all the heavy lifting and, and this kind of sets the stage for a belief-only option. It's all we've got. You believe. So, I want to um, look at this one passage and then we're going to, I want to give you just a, I want to break something down real quick. In Galatians 4.12, fast forward a little bit, like I said, I wish I could unpack all this. He says this, listen, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have have become as you are. What do you think that means? Not break stuff. It's not what that means. Okay, so more like Christ. Less like the flesh. What else? Ooh, yeah, I like that. There is no such thing as a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised. None of that matters, right? That's what's going on in this context. He's trying to get them to break down their their hierarchical system. come as I am. Hmm. What was Paul's story? Yeah. Hebrew of all Hebrews, Pharisee of all Pharisees. Uh, one of the the great if you you want to adhere to the law, I'll, I'll adhere 10 times better, right? Blameless. I mean if anybody was was if anybody was would have been considered righteous in the in the uh Pharisee system, that would have been him. He would have been one of the guys that people looked at and said, "Man, that guy has got it together." And then what happened? Damascus road. He was blinded. Right? 3 days. Yeah, Jesus talked to him on the road. "Why are you killing my friends?" Right? And uh and then he is made aware of the truth that there literally is nothing that you can do to get yourself into right standing with the Lord. So Paul says, I used to be under the law only to be set free from it. And so, um, one of the things that I, that I want to encourage you to think on tonight is, um, Where have you come from? And what have you been set free from? Because if you don't know what you've been set free from, how can you really be set free? I'm not saying go back and review all the sin and all the bull crap that you did and so on and so forth. But a heart of gratefulness and a heart of thankfulness begins to show up when you begin to realize like Isaiah said my righteousness is filth man there is nothing that i am going to do there's nothing that i can say that ever like equates to how good god is or how big or how gracious he is in in acts 26 um i we we went to uh in in um Caesarea we went to the to the place where it was very very likely that King Agrippa would have held a council where Paul gave an account about Jesus, like um, we got to stand in the place where this went went down, so it's pretty pretty like powerful moment and um, and King Agrippa in acts twenty six says i think it's twenty eight and twenty nine he says to to paul so are you, you're going to persuade me to become a Christian?" In in such a short time, like, do you really think that this little speech right here is going to make me become a Christian? And he, he says, no. He says, um, he says, I wish that you would become exactly like me, except for these chains. And that, that's such a powerful statement. I wish that you would become like me, except for these chains. I wish that you would become like me because I'm not chained. I'm not chained. And so I, I just, I want to encourage you guys, like, embrace the true freedom that Jesus Christ has given us. He has set us free from every single thing that hinders us. And, and we, we automatically jump to the sin management stuff, like our addictions and our struggles and so on and so forth. But understand that he set us free also from bondage to the law, just as much as he did from our addictions and our struggles and so on and so forth. When it, when it says that Christ set us free, like in Galatians 5.1, like that means freedom like freedom, like all of it. Every single bit of it is free. His, he fulfilled the actions that the law required so that we don't have to follow the, the requirements of the law because we can't keep them. Only in that environment does a true love relationship get to happen. If I was in a relationship with my wife because I thought that I had some kind of obligation to do certain things for her and so on and so forth, then, like, that's not a good, healthy relationship. I don't do things for my wife because I have to. I do things for her because I Get to. Because I get to. Yeah. Um just just kinda I think for me all I keep hearing is go back to that childlike thing where when we were kids we had no idea what the rules were. We didn't know what sin was, we didn't know anything other than Jesus loves me, this I know, Four Problems calls me Yeah. That's all that mattered. Yep. And so I think what happens is or what he just told me is as you got smarter, you thought you got smarter. mm yeah. Yeah. TV. So come back to that whole thing yep. of of being a child. That's why he talks to us like that. The children mm. are who get this. Yeah. Not, not us. We make it way more, um check than, than a kid who just says, Jesus loves me, that's all mm. <laughs> that. That uh, in the in the Greek where in verse twelve where it says, Become as I am, for also I also have become as you are, that the that the way that that's unpacked literally is like, let your being be what it is. Like, just, just be. And that can only come from God, like, showing up, manifesting Himself um, in us as we don't do anything. Revelation has never come to me when I try. Encouragement and joy and fulfillment and all of those things, the fruit of the Spirit, none of that stuff comes when I try. It's come when I've just given up (laughs) and I've said, hey God, I don't know. I don't know what to do next. Like I'm done. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're 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 trying, yeah. Hmm. All right, so let's uh, let's unpack this one quick thing, and then and then we're going to spend a, just a few minutes talking together. Look at Galatians uh, four twenty one through thirty one. It's not going to be on the screen. It'll just have the reference because that's like a lot of verses. 21 through 31. Paul says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. Right? Does anybody know the two sons? Ishmael and Isaac. Yes. All right. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free uh, was born through a promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She's Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children, but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Let's stop right there. Okay. So you got two two ladies, right? And in the story, God gave Abraham a promise, right? And the promise was you're going to have a son. You're going to have offspring, right? Why did Ishmael come about? He did what? He stepped away from the promise from the promise. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, right? He stepped away from the promise that God had given him because uh, Sarah comes in. She says, hey, I'm old, right? I'm beyond childbearing years. I can't do this. And uh, she says, why don't you take Hagar? So they have Ishmael, which, um, by the way, that, that split, Isaac and Ishmael is is where um, the the Muslim faith comes from the lineage of Ishmael, and the, the and Judaism comes from the lineage of Isaac. So, like you know, if you look over history, the strife, <laughs> right, that has always been going on between the two parties. Um, so here's the comparison, right? You can you can choose to be a part of Hagar's camp, which is slavery. Um, because it was uh, having a child by the, the flesh. How do I f- do this in my own power? Like, that's what Sarah did, right? She knew that the promise was to have a descendant, but in her flesh, she's going, I, I can't physically have a baby. This isn't going to work. So I do the next thing that I know to do. I pull the bootstraps up, and I make something happen. And her making something happen was, hey, here, take Hagar, which was totally acceptable in that day. No, but it wasn't the promise, right? It wasn't the promise. And so, so she acted out of flesh, and Abraham acted out of flesh. And uh, that corresponds with Mount Sinai, which is, if you go back into the Exodus account, Moses going up to the mountain, right, to get the Ten Commandments, which they uh, adhere to. And if we have time in the next few weeks, I'm going to unpack a bunch of that. Um, that's a symbol of the Old Covenant which is a system of rules and regulations that you have to live by, not just the Ten Commandments, but um, 613 other things that you get to do. And that corresponds to present Jerusalem, which actually is even still the Jerusalem today. Present Jerusalem is still present Jerusalem uh, because the Jews are still waiting for their Messiah. They're still waiting for the promise. The problem is, is the promise was already fulfilled over 2,000 years ago. If you read on in Galatians, back in 4, you'll see where he says, Paul says, notice that it says it's not offsprings, plural, it's offspring. And what Paul does in his unpacking of the Bible, which I love, I love when I hear um, guys that wrote part of the Bible unpack Old Testament Scripture, he says the promise of the, the offspring is Jesus. The promise is Jesus. So so Abraham and Sarah have Isaac, which the lineage goes all the way down to Jesus. That's the freedom. That's the promise. That is through the Spirit. Because listen, I've never heard of a 99-year-old female giving birth. Okay? That's like, okay, take immaculate conception, Mary, and then go a third of a notch down and that's Sarah having a baby, all right? Like like that like that's that's in my opinion, like the the closeness of those two things. Yeah. Can I can I point out like when you say offspring, this kind of just came to me. So offspring that's one bloodline, mm-hmm. one family. Mm-hmm. oh yeah family. yeah when you right when you come back full circle to the nations right the promise is for it doesn't matter who where you come from like it's all still the same father right that's good so he says uh, that the other mountain, right, Mount Zion, which is if you go back and you look through uh, Revelation and you look through uh, all the prophetic stuff in, in all the different um, uh, prophecy books, uh, Zion is the, the symbol of the new covenant and the new Jerusalem, which is all of that stuff being fulfilled. And so Paul is basically saying, which, which camp do you want to be a part of? Which camp do you want to do you want to jump into? Do you want to be a part of the freedom camp? Do you want to be a part of the promise camp? Um or do you want to be a part of the slave flesh camp? Um and and see I love this because hear me. Um the, he he's not he's not talking about people that are that are um being uh ridiculously sinful in their um addictions and so on and so forth he does cover that in galatians 5 so we're probably going to get to that in the next few weeks um but he he's actually talking about following a rules-based system he's saying that the slave camp is us trying to add to the righteousness that god gives us through jesus and so um How do we be a part of the solution? Because like, I'm sick and tired of seeing the big C church completely divided. And this was happening in Paul's day, and it's still happening today. And so like I know that division, like that's one of uh, the enemy's like main tactics in his arsenal is to keep everybody divided. Um but but I'm I'm tired of it and I'm not impressed by it. And so like one of the conversations that that I, I just want to have for a few minutes is how do we like a, a real family and when I say family I mean this Hope City but I'm talking like everybody that claims Jesus, like we're a part of the same lineage, right? We're a part of the same family. So so part of our call as brothers and sisters in Christ is that we protect and engage in freedom. We no longer talk about what divides us. We no longer... Uh, engage in the debate of right and wrong and so on and so forth, but we protect the freedom. We push toward freedom. So I, what I want to do is let's just take um, the next, like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, and, and let's, in your groups, talk about that. How do we, as a family, as the body of Christ, not Hope City, Jesus followers, Right? How do we become a part of the solution to bring the family back together? To protect the freedom that Jesus set us free for? All right? It's a hierarchical system by which we grade each other. In the corporate world, there's, you know, different executives, and in the church world, there's different levels of how you can, you know, Stair, step stair, step yourself up. Um, so here, here's one of the last thoughts. Um, in, uh, in verse 30 in Galatians 4, it says, What does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Okay, so the Scripture is saying, cast out the slavery All right so so here's the deal here here's at least my thoughts on on what that looks like don't give anything that ends in bondage the time of day like we yes you hear the kids they're yes they're hey they're they're in the spirit that's what i'm hearing i'm hearing tongues actually praise the Lord. Um, that's, a, that's a, a prayer language that I'm hearing. Um, but uh, for, uh, seriously, the, um, like think, think, about, think about this. When we minister to people that are not believers, we do not focus on their addictions. We do not focus on their habits and their hang-ups, right? We, we cover them with love, we cover them with grace, we, we don't focus on the, because we know that that's not a part of their identity, their real identity, right? So now what if we took that same concept and we put it in the church world, <gasps> right? Why don't we not give time, the time of day the things that divide us? If it ends in slavery, which is uh, adherence to a bunch of rules and systems of, I, you know, I got to act this way and do this way and so on. And so, forth, what if we just stopped even thinking about it or focusing on that and we just simply lived as free people? I think that would be contagious. And I think churches, the church, People who are trying to operate under their own righteousness would go, why is that guy, why is that girl so laid back? Why are they like so full of joy and breathing easy? Why are they not trying hard? Because they're free. How do you cast out the slave woman? You don't go looking for all the things that make you slaves and go, get out of here, get, you know what I'm saying? No, no, no. You just don't give it the time of day. We don't acknowledge people's sin. How did you receive the spirit? Not by works, but by hearing with faith. Right? So so how how do we begin to re engage the family? I just don't think we give slavery time of day. Any form of it. Any form of it. What if we just lived as free people? And, and out of that freedom, out of that joy, out of that love, out of that passion that flows to non-believers and believers alike, out of all of that, that's where I think the, the body begins to, to unite. The, the, the body, the Bugatti. Yes. and I'd like to have one of those. The body begins to become one. Right? Right? Yes, in one accord Honda so um that I always try to operate under this right here, like when I think about um more Monday stuff and things like this, the identity is that we're free. The relationship is that there are family members that need to know this and and need to need to experience this. If I'm a brother or a sister or a mother or a father to family members, like there's a relationship there, right? And so I share that, and the activation is just go do it. Just go be that. Just be it, right? So um, here's what the the challenge for, for all of us tonight as we leave this place and go cheer for the Tar Heels. Um, No. Nope. 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 For one night, the Lord is turning his back on Gonzaga. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if that's recorded, we can cut it out. Totally kidding. Um, yes. <laughs> I just canceled, I re- I canceled it all out in that one statement. Just erase it. Yes. Nah, um, for real. Um. Like, let's, let's, let's legit and truly focus on being a family, um, a big family, a big C family. And we're going to intersect not with just lost and people that, that don't know Jesus, but in this community, we're intersecting with a lot of church people, a lot of church people. And, um, and so, like, just live, just live free. Live free. And in that freedom... Don't use it to. Uh, don't use it to put yourself back into slavery in either camp.